a Thurston County football star has been missing for more than a year. Detectives are continuing to search for Investigators him. found the young man's car with his wallet and his cell phone inside. We're not certain that he's dead. We're not certain he's alive. It's what keeps me up at night. Totally out of character for him. Shinobi's family won't give up looking until they get answers. Just desperate to know he's okay. From Sasquatch Productions, this is Hide and Seek. The Investigation of Logan Schindelman. I'm your host, James Basin. Hey guys. At the end of the last episode, I played a trailer of me going over Logan's cell phone call log and some major discrepancies I came across. Eight months ago, after speaking with Detective Beale and Frawley about Logan's case, I was given the green light to make their records request for the entire case file. The request came back with everything Thurston County had for Logan's case file. When I started reading over the documents, I wanted to see who Logan was in contact with the week he went missing, specifically Wednesday through Friday. Here's a quick recap of his text messages the week of his disappearance. Logan only messaged with Carolina on Monday, May 16th. Now, there were multiple social media posts, but we're only going to focus on the text messages. On Tuesday, May 17th, He and Carolina continued to swap messages. The morning of the Epiphany, Wednesday the 18th, Logan sends a lengthy text message at 6 a.m. to a girl named Brittany. It's the rap lyrics, but she never responds. I recently reached out to Brittany. She wasn't keen on the idea of speaking. She said she didn't know Logan personally, nor ever had any interaction with him through social media. I found Brittany's response to be a bit odd, because this is what Detective Beale wrote down in the case file. This appears to be another set of rap lyrics. I contacted Brittany. She said she went to school with Logan, but wasn't really friends with him at the time they were in school. She said she had recently saw him on a dating website named Tinder. She contacted him, and they were in the beginning stages of talking, but didn't really have a relationship. She doesn't know where Logan is at and had no insight into the case. Now, what I find interesting is when I talked to Brittany, she said that Not only did she not know Logan, never interacted with him, and that she also didn't go to the same school that he did. Now things get even more bizarre, because when I started to provide her with personal information, such as the cell phone number that Detective Beale had reached out to her on, she said that she got rid of that phone number back in 2015, when her cell phone was stolen. Now obviously Logan sent this text message in 2016, and the Brittany that Detective Beale is speaking with acknowledges the fact that her and Logan did interact and met on Tinder. I'm still working this lead, and I'll let you guys know what I come up with. Back to Logan's text messages on Wednesday the 18th. Jenny messages Logan once, when she says, I usually get texts and I get emails. If you need me for anything, I love you. He sends Hannah a text. I've been up and down, kind of all over. I love you too. Carolina sends him a message asking when they can finally meet. And Logan's last outgoing message is at 5.46 p.m. when he says to Carolina, I don't know, you probably know more about it than me. Carolina responds a few more times, but that's the rest of the text on Wednesday. Thursday, May 19th. Ginny messages Logan, I didn't see you this morning, are you okay? She messages him again at what appears on paper at 8.45 p.m. Something wrong with your TV? But we never truly know the actual time she sends that text message because I believe his phone is powering back on. This is also when his phone connects to the home Wi-Fi and he receives a text message from a man by the name of Griffin, $75 half. I'll dive into who Griffin is soon, but 
That was the last text on Thursday. Friday, May 20th. Logan's phone doesn't show any incoming messages. His phone does show the rap lyrics as an outgoing message at 2.35 a.m., but the report shows he never sends it to an actual phone number, like he did with Brittany, for example, on Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. But as soon as his phone stops pinging on Friday, it's safe to assume that his phone was off the rest of the weekend because we see no other activity until Monday, May 23rd. Now, after Jenny brought Logan's car home from Baker's towing yard, she brings the phone in and powers it on. As soon as she does, his phone connects to the home Wi-Fi, and that's when Jenny, Chloe, Hannah, and Carolina's texts come through. Since his phone battery appears to have died on Friday, we don't know exactly when the four girls sent the messages to Logan. When reading the case file, there were multiple AT&T documents showing call and text history. The document was provided to Detective Beale by Jenny per Beale's request. When reviewing the itemized text log, it doesn't show you what was written to the recipient or vice versa, like Cellbrite does. It states time, date, and if it was incoming or outgoing. It also shows you if the text was mobile-to-mobile texting, which means that whoever Logan was texting also had the same network, which was AT&T. Per Ginny, Detective Bill had requested Ginny to provide Logan's call logs from AT&T. She provided the itemized call and text logs starting on Monday, May 16th through Saturday, May 21st. Now remember, Cellbrite is what provided the ping information I shared on the last episode, as well the content of the text messages. After looking at the times and frequency of messages, I started focusing on the AT&T call log starting with Monday. There are 10 calls made throughout the day. It appears that three of those calls were made to Chloe in the evening. The next day, 14 calls were made. Now on Wednesday, 27 calls were placed. What initially stuck out to me was the number of calls placed to Chloe, 12 calls. At one point during these calls, it shows him calling Chloe nine times within 13 minutes. Then I get to Thursday. The report I'm reading shows 37 calls. Another odd fact about this, starting at 7.29 p.m., it shows him calling Chloe 15 times before 7.45. He calls again at 7.48, 7.50, 7.53, 7.59, and at 8.01 p.m. And finally, we get to Friday. And this is when I started to question what I was seeing. The calls start at 9.03 a.m., there are 20 calls made before noon. If Logan's phone was off at 9.10 a.m., how are these calls being made while his phone is on its way down to Camas, Washington? Remember, the last ping in Olympia was at 9.10 a.m. The next time the phone shows activity is at 12.56 p.m., but the phone is down in Camas, over 100 miles away. I continued to review the AT&T call log, and once I saw a call at 3.21 p.m., I had to stop what I was doing. Remember when the 911 calls were made to report Logan's car drifting across I-5? The first call is placed at 3.07 p.m. The phone was supposed to be in Logan's car when Baker's towing towed it. And the phone sat there the entire weekend because Jenny didn't pick up the vehicle until Monday. The AT&T itemized report shows calls and text messages being sent all the way up to 10.19 p.m. that Friday evening. The calls and text messages continue through Saturday over 49 messages and calls, incoming and outgoing. The weirdest part about the calls on Saturday, three of them show that they were placed to Chloe Saturday night. The first at 8.33 p.m., the second at 9.15 p.m., and the final at 9.36 p.m. Now, at this point in my investigation, I had already sent Chloe a text message introducing myself. Here's how it went. 
June 9th, 2020. Hello, this is James Basinger. I'm trying to get a hold of Chloe. Is this her cell by chance? May I ask what this is regarding? Logan, your brother. Okay, this is she. But how did you get my phone number? I've got a program that allows me to search individuals up. I would greatly appreciate the chance to speak with you. I'm the host of the Hide and Seek podcast. Oh, okay. I heard a little bit about you from my grandmother. She said she was going to talk with you. Yes, Ginny and I are about to speak at 6.30. I'd love for the chance for us to talk. I think it's possible. Just got done talking with Ginny. Let me know if you have any questions I can answer that will help when making your decision. No pressure, Chloe. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. June 12th. Hey, Chloe. I hope all is well. I just wanted to check in. I'd love to talk. July 6th. Hey, Chloe. I'm up in Tumwater. Are you able to meet? No response. This brings us to July 8th, when I discovered the calls and texts going in and out of the AT&T report. I asked Ginny if it was okay to come by and look at Logan's car and go over some concerning matters with the case file. After looking at Logan's car, Ginny and I went inside and sat down at the kitchen table. Okay, so this next section is a call log provided by you to Detective Beal. I imagine because he asked for it. Yeah, got it from AT&T. Okay. Do you know how you got this document? AT&T would let me go in and see all the calls on a record on the, online. Right, so you can go online look at call history, right? Yeah, and Did- you could choose when. You could say three months ago since right. what did that call log, when you were able to select those days, did it allow you to specify the individual number you wanted to look at? Were you able to look at yeah. just your phone? Yeah. Okay. So these are, from what I understand, calls from and to Logan. Logan's phone. On that week. So here's Wednesday, the 18th, 1399's Chloe. Mm-hmm. So you can see he's called her at 402, 404, 6, 7, 9, 11, 12, 14. On the 18th. Yep. Okay. So now we're on Thursday, 9.31 a.m., incoming call. Um, he's calling people at 1 o'clock. This is all Thursday. And, we, and, and there's another slew of Chloe's. A lot of times. Right? Okay. So now we get to Friday. This is, you know, important because... Thursday night, 8.46, he calls this 9505 number. And then he doesn't do anything with his phone until the next day at 9.03 a.m. on Friday. But the last thing he did by creating a draft was he wrote that lyric at 2.50 in the morning. Yeah. And then he goes to sleep, and then he's moving again at 7. So it could be him making this phone call. I'm trying to figure out what's the time frame where we think something actually happened to Logan. Mm Mm-hmm. These are, none of these are numbers. Well, I'm only going to recognize Chloe's and mine. Okay, so we get to, are my work number. We get to Friday. His car veers into traffic at 3.07 is the very first 911 call. 3.21-5593 to Shelton. Incoming call, 3.23. Okay. Outgoing call. That's to Chloe. Okay. 518, 610, 2680, incoming call. Friday, all these calls. We're into Saturday. Which is even because the phone was in the car, theoretically. So we get to Saturday, 
still making calls to this 2680 number, which I need to figure that one out. But before I went into Saturday, because I got all the way up to Friday, where the car was now supposed to be on, on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And I thought, am I not reading this right? During my two hour conversation with Ginny, at one point, I noticed to my left a sliding door open. It was Chloe. She was about to enter what appeared to be a bathroom. On the 25th, and say, Hey, I got somebody I'm interested. Hi. Hi. Chloe opened the door and went back into the room she came from. Now, since Ginny is confirming that she provided the call and text log to Detective Beale, how do the calls and texts on Friday and Saturday make sense? Why don't I see any cellular pings Friday evening or Saturday? The text messages shown on the AT&T printout don't match what Detective Bill extracted from Logan's phone when looking at what Cellbrite extracted. I'm completely lost with what I'm looking at. Now, the two obvious questions. How are these calls and texts going in and out of Logan's phone if the phone was found by Ginny in the car on Monday? And why are these calls going to Chloe's phone? I started thinking of all the different scenarios. Could it be possible that Logan had a second cell phone? To answer that question, yes, he had multiple phones. Detective Beale collected the Samsung Note Edge on May 26, the phone Logan used during the time he went missing. But I also noticed that the report showed two more phones taken into evidence, a Samsung Galaxy S3 and a black HTC cell phone. From my understanding, those two additional phones were previously used before Logan got the Samsung Note Edge. I asked Detective Beale to check and confirm that Logan's SIM card was still in the Samsung Note Edge. He sent me a picture of it still secured into the phone. Now, if you're wondering, could Logan's phone still use cellular network with only an SD card? No. SD cards are used for memory. A SIM card is required to use your cellular network provider. An SD card would not connect to the AT&T network alone. I also thought about the possibility that someone may have placed Logan's phone back into his car over the weekend, explaining why Ginny found the phone in the car on Monday. And in order for someone to do that, they would need to gain access to the vehicle at the towing yard after hours. So, I'm making all these calls on Saturday, all the way up to 10 p.m. to a call in Utah. I don't know who it is, but there's also a call on Saturday at 9.36. To call And that's the last thing I have. Okay. But you shouldn't Here's, have anything. What's that? You shouldn't have anything from anything, Saturday. Nothing. There shouldn't be anything from basically 120, because that's when the maps stop moving. You shouldn't have anything at 120 and beyond, because then the car, go, the car goes into the barrier, the vehicle's impounded and taken to Baker's, and it's in Baker's towing yard. That's why I went to Baker's. All right, so we are on our way to Baker's towing yard to check out the security, the setup looks like. When arriving, you can see quite a few cars parked in front of what appears to be a shop and front office. The first thing that sticks out to me is that the cars parked in front of the business are sitting out in the open, meaning I can access the cars if I wanted to. All right, so I'm here, knocked on the door at Baker's. It doesn't appear that anybody's here. I did call their after hours number. Um, the owner, I think, is out moving some crates. Uh, I do see security cameras that do show video footage shooting towards the vehicles. She did say that those vehicles, or that the security cameras were recently added. They had just gotten those, so they didn't have them back in 2016. Um, 
obviously if I was I was able just to walk on the property and I can basically go to any vehicle I wanted to without having any issue if I wanted to to go into a vehicle now she did say that this is fenced off during after hours but I don't see any fence I continue to look around the property when I walk to the back the first thing you'll notice is a number of cars parked inside a 10 to 12 foot chain link fence with barbed wires at the top. This must be where they store the vehicles that have been towed. Now, is it possible to find a way over the barbed wires? Sure, but I don't think that was the case. When I went to Baker's, I wanted to see the security setup. They have cameras, but I found out from them that the cameras were added recently, so it wasn't back yeah. then. Plus, they probably wouldn't have kept anything for four years. But I was curious. Just to see if it, you know, checking, again, yeah. I'm just trying to understand the, the security layout. Right. The very back, they have that gated area. That's why I asked you, where was the car? Was it in the back or was it in the front? Because there were cars in the front, and I thought, okay, well, that would make sense that someone can still access the car. But those are cars that they're working on because they're also an auto body or mechanic yeah. shop. But in the very back, there's that gated area where you say, I remember going back there. Yeah, we had to walk around the building mm -hmm. and through the back. Mm -hmm. And under one car, there was a cat with kittens. Mm -hmm. And so as you walk in the gate, it was across like over here. So it was all the car was. And there weren't a lot of cars back there. So the phone was My, in the car. It so wasn't non-functional. Well, I got it home, plugged it in, mm -hmm. and it came on. And his Facebook the, came up. One yeah. of the things Shades mentions to Mary... He approached the vehicle. He didn't see the phone in the front seat. It was Layers. it was it was stuck kind of between you know where the um, if I remember right it's on the passenger side and I mean passenger like you and I mean passenger yeah leaning on the seat belt and the screen was all cracked up and so when they said somebody jumped out it looked to me like the phone had kind of fallen there. And when they got out, they kicked it against the seatbelt and caused the screen to crack. Do you know if Logan's phone was cracked before that? The last time I saw it, it wasn't, which would have been probably a week before that. So the phone, I mean, phone's cracked. They can still operate. Yeah. But this is Surf where on it. I, I don't understand, and this is the part where I'm not getting... I don't know what these are about, and I'm not going to mention anything else at this point but are there yeah. answers to those we don't know just that whole day and a half of phone calls to weird phone numbers mm -hmm. when he should nobody should have been using that phone that's why i desperately want to talk to her and jerry oh well i'll talk to her but i'm not sure she'll talk to you yeah after leaving jenny's I started cross-referencing the calls and text messages between the Celebrate Extraction and the AT&T printout Ginny provided to Detective Beale. Out of the 3,307 entries from Celebrate, Logan's phone shows between April 30th and May 24th, 25 phone calls. There are four incoming calls on April 30th from Carolina. On May 1st, there are 11 incoming and outgoing calls. A little after 1 a.m., Logan attempted to block his caller ID by dialing star 67 before dialing the phone number. I have yet to figure out who owns this number. The call lasts seven seconds. I believe the person didn't answer, so Logan hung up when the voicemail answered. Right after hanging up, the next four calls are outgoing calls that are also blocked. 
the first three attempts to call this person, Logan gets the first nine digits, excluding star 67, correct, but the last digit is off. The final and fourth attempt, he gets it right. The call lasts nine seconds. I believe this call also goes to voicemail, and so Logan ends the call. The person Logan is trying to call is one of his closest friends growing up. He's one of the three friends mentioned in previous episodes. This friend is the guy that Logan initially planned on rooming with at college. Now, later that night at 7.42 p.m., Logan tried calling another number I haven't been able to figure out yet, but the call lasts four seconds. Three minutes later, Logan tries calling Carolina, but there's no answer. Seconds later, Carolina calls Logan four times. Logan doesn't answer. Fast forward to May 5th. Logan calls Griffin at 7.03 p.m. No answer. Minutes later, Griffin calls Logan back. No answer. The two exchange in text messages. May 6th. Logan calls a girl by the name of Kiana at 2.43 p.m. The call lasts 2 minutes and 34 seconds. Later that night, Kiana calls Logan and they talk for almost half an hour. On May 7th, it shows only two calls for the day. One is from Carolina at 8.10 p.m. and another at 9.23 p.m. from Kiana. Three days later, on May 10th, Logan receives his last call at 9.23 a.m. again from a number I can't figure out. And trust me, it's rare for me not to figure out who owns what number. But that's it. There are no other calls coming in or going out of Logan's phone. For the next 20 days, nothing? Is it hard to believe or is it just me? If you were counting along, that was only 23 calls. The 24th and 25th calls are incoming on Tuesday, May 24th. Both calls are at 8.09 p.m. The first call doesn't last a second. Seconds later, another call comes in. It's Hannah, Logan's mom. The call lasts 8 minutes and 48 seconds. Mm, What's that all about? Hannah should have known that the car was retrieved on Monday, along with his personal items, including his cell phone. So why is she calling Tuesday, and who is she talking to? When I asked Ginny about this, she couldn't understand it either. When trying to think of a reason Hannah would be calling Logan's cell phone, the only thing that comes to mind is that Hannah is calling to hear Logan's voice through voicemail and then leaving him a message. Or is it a butt dial? But when leaving voicemails, are you capable of leaving a message that long? I don't think so. So I tried it. All right, so here we go. We're going to make sure that to be as accurate as possible, we're going to let the phone ring all the way through. We're not going to ignore it, but I will start the timer from the moment the phone starts to ring. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. I'll spare you guys on waiting. You have reached the maximum time permitted for recording your message. After looking at my call history and seeing the duration of this call, it was 4 minutes and 58 seconds. At the end of all of this, cross-referencing the phone numbers in the Celebrite Extraction Report versus the AT&T documents, I found that the calls and texts do not line up with each other. What shows up on the Celebrite report isn't found on the AT&T log, and vice versa. So what I've been looking at are someone else's calls and texts. Now, one person I haven't really talked about yet is Chloe's ex-boyfriend, and his name is Jacob. I'm not going to dive into that just yet, 
Some of you who have been following Logan's case know that there's been talk about Jacob and Logan not getting along. Trust me when I say this. I'll be going much deeper into that relationship and what I know, just not today. But what I figured out is all the calls and texts on the AT&T log that were happening after Thursday actually belonged to Jacob, not Logan. So all those back-to-back calls and text messages to Chloe on Wednesday, Thursday, and a few on Friday, that was Jacob. I was looking more into those calls, and, and you, you recall providing to Thurston County, um, and specifically at the time it was probably Detective Beal, um, you remember providing him with Logan's call log, is that right? Yes, I went to the AT&T site and got everything right. from his phone number. And, I, and I'm sure that they had also requested Jacob's. Do you, do you remember if they did or if they did not? I have no idea. Okay. So when I was looking over the call logs and I was looking at who they were dialing, and I know that they did have uh, Jacob's call logs and text messages. And as I was looking over the numbers and the text messages and how they had scanned them into the case file, I eventually came to the realization that those were only Jacob's call history and text messages. They didn't share that with you or AT&T, either one? Well, no, because AT&T won't share it with me because I'm not the account holder. I'm not, you know, it's not my account. Um, In Thurston County, they shared the case file with me. When I looked at those calls on Saturday and I was telling you this doesn't make sense, I I don't think those are Logan's phone calls. I think that's just Jacob's phone call history. Which would make sense, since Logan's car was found on Friday. Welcome to AT&T. May I ask with whom I have the pleasure of speaking with? Yeah, my name is James, and I also have the uh, account holder with AT&T. Her name is Virginia Schindelman. We explained to the AT&T rep what we were trying to do, and how we were trying to gather documents the week of Logan went missing. Uh, so, here's the sign. Whenever you canceled that line two years ago, uh, the phone number goes back into a pool, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and then it gets recycled. Uh, so the account that you, that phone number was associated with is associated with another customer's account now. Mm-hmm. So we would have no uh, way of accessing what you're requesting. I explained to the AT&T representative what the purpose of the call was and kind of the backstory. I felt like if I shared that information, it might motivate him to do a little bit more work. 45 minutes later. Okay, folks, I'm sorry that took so long. All right, so here's what I found out. Uh, Unfortunately, I have no, absolutely no way of accessing the the information you're seeking. At the end of the call, the AT&T representative from the call center said that we would need to issue a court order in order for us to get those documents. So what's our next move? Nearly five years later, is it even possible to get Logan's phone call and text history? Keep in mind, Ginny is no longer with the same cell phone provider. Well, my sister shared with me that she has a friend at AT&T who might have the answer for us. Hello. Hey. Hey. Okay. All right, so why, why don't you tell me what your friend had shared with you at AT&T? So the information... Um, in regards to all the data, cell phone, text messaging, all of that is still there. I believe he said it exists up to 10 years. Um, it's it's in a database somewhere. However, 
it's not accessible. So as far back as they can go is about 17 months. But with a subpoena, they can then go in and get that information. You just can't do it unless you have that subpoena. Okay, so 17 months is the time, like that's the time limit of them being able to go back and retrieve that information without uh, not needing a, a subpoena, correct? Correct. Okay, now if we're able to issue a subpoena to be able to and request those records, what are we going to get? Like, what kind of documents are we going to get? Are we going to be able to see what the text messages, the text messages that were sent in and out, or are we going to? Only... As far as my understanding, yes. Um, I don't have an exact. Uh, I don't have like a for sure yes, but as far as my knowledge goes and understanding of how he explained it to me is that everything is there, that nothing gets erased, nothing gets undone. It's all still there. I would imagine that even if, let's say. I went and deleted text messages or phone calls from my phone, it's still going to show up on my bill, right? That's a good question. Because if I, I mean, if I wanted to cheat the system, I would delete all my stuff before the bill period was over and I would never get charged for any of my minutes or text messages. I don't know. Okay. That's a question. That's a good question. Okay. So will I be able to see what text messages were actually, what, what they actually wrote to each other? Or is it just going to show an incoming and outgoing message to this number? No, I, my understanding is that everything's there. Oh, wow. Okay. Everything is there. They do not delete, erase, get rid of everything. Everything is there. That is my understanding. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing all right. I've like been scratching my head trying to understand this case file that I got because it was always under my understanding that... When I sat down with Beal and we went over Logan's, all of the information that he extracted from Cellbrite, um, I've been looking at all these calls and I know that they got Jacob's cell phone history as far as at least who he was texting and who he was calling. And when I look at the case file, I didn't understand why I saw calls going out of Logan's phone on Friday afternoon, Friday evening, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, because his phone was found in the car. Well, eventually I just started matching the phone calls to the text messages and I'm realizing this is all of Jacob's phone calls. I don't see anything in the case file that shows Logan's AT&T calls. Now I asked Jenny, I said, did you provide those documents to Detective Bill? She said, yes, and I can itemize it to be only Logan's phone or, you know, per line. I said, okay. So I looked through everything again and I don't, I don't see Logan's cell phone phone calls. I did check with AT&T, and they definitely have the bills that would would show the itemized calls. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, but it would need to it would require a court order, a subpoena. Right. I don't know if you've ever seen them. I, I mean, it could be as simple as me not getting that part of the case file for whatever reason. But I was curious if you were as interested in wanting to get that information to see. Okay, we know who he was texting, but who was he calling? Yeah, I don't, um, as you're talking to me, I'm looking at a spreadsheet right now to see. Right. That's the same thing uh, I'm looking at too. Right. And I don't, I don't have all that information. So, and again, like I said, I really didn't play with this too much for two readings. Number one, Beal had done it and that's what he does for a living. And so I kind of left it alone. But as far as, you know, getting additional records or anything like that, I mean, you know, I'm all for anything. I mean, okay. you know, I would never say, nope, I ain't doing that, you know. 
because again, like I said, I want to know just like anybody else does, but the stuff that, and I try to tell everybody in the beginning, you know, when, when Beal had this case, he did way more than I ever would have done because this is what he did for a living. This, this was his forte, you know, was phones and connectivity logs and all other stuff that he calls it, you know, and, and, um, I used him. He was always like someone that would help me when I was working like a homicide or something to do that kind of stuff. But as far as terminology and how that all stuff works and all that, I mean, that's what Bill did. I never did that. Right, know? right, right. And so I don't even try to talk about it because that's not what I do. Yeah. If that makes any sense. So, yeah. He, he did but, far much more groundwork when it came to the technological investigative approach just because that's way more than I ever yeah. would have done. If, if I would have gotten this case back in 2016, I wouldn't have done any of that because again, like I tell everybody, you know, when somebody goes missing, you know, mm-hmm. you don't automatically assume that something bad's happened, you know, because nine times, nine and a half times out of ten, they come back, you know. Yeah. And even today, I've got three missing person cases that I'm working in. One of them I showed up already right away, and then two of the other ones I'm kind of working on right now. But I have no reason to believe that anything happened to them, but maybe, you know, but so we work them. It's not against law to disappear. That's why I tell everybody right. and that's not a crime. And I wish people would understand that you know because they're like why didn't you do this why didn't you right. do that do you feel like it's un- like it's almost to a level of unfair criticism when you don't understand the the amount of individuals who do this on a regular basis that aren't that something bad didn't happen to them so you're kind of f- yeah it's a double-edged sword is what it is i mean you know i had another case here being not, not the war story but and i'm reading this thing and i'm like man we need to go out search for this guy and so we did a search um you know we thought he might have gone into the river and um, we did a search, did another search, and, and we were getting ready to do another search and go to find out again that he was in a, another town in Pierce County. And again, he'd never done that. And it comes back to what I tell you. Sometimes people say they would never do that. Well, they only got to do it one time. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. And, and again, like I say, you know, you get scrutinized when you do and you get scrutinized when you don't. So right. I wanted to bring up the point about Logan's phone connecting to the home Wi-Fi on Thursday night. So Jeannie said, I didn't see Logan after the epiphany conversation. From my understanding, mm-hmm. Logan's phone comes back home Thursday morning at 3.16 a.m. He connects to the Wi-Fi. He leaves in the afternoon around 11.38, comes back home at 3.17 p.m. on Thursday. Now, Jenny doesn't come home till about 6 o'clock because her and Bill also work at the Department of Ecology together and would ride together to work. The report says the last person that saw Logan was around 6 a.m. on Thursday. And I asked Jenny, well, when's the last time you saw him? She said, well, I saw him the conversation of the epiphany. Well, that happened Wednesday. So I didn't know who gave the report about what he was wearing Thursday morning. Odd part is, at 8.45, the phone turns back on and it connects to the Wi-Fi. So that would mean he's back home. At 8.45, he gets three or two different text messages coming in at the exact same time. So someone had the phone or phone had died and it reconnects to the Wi-Fi at 8.45 p.m., which is Thursday. So... Whoa, I don't, you're I'm, still on the 19th or you're on the 20th now? No, I'm on the 19th. Okay. So right. could he have shown up not known, nobody known about it? It's possible. But when you look at all of his activity for him to go this long from 334 to 845, that's, that's when I honestly believe something happened. You know, and that could very well be. I mean, I'm, I'm looking, I, I see the genie one at 2045 received and the Griffin... 2045 received. I got that one. I found yeah. that one. So those those text messages showing his phone mm-hmm. coming in at mm-hmm. the exact same time, down to the exact same second. Just like on Monday, May 23rd, Logan gets text messages from Chloe, Hannah, Ginny, and uh, Carolina. All at the same time. And that's like that's the way of knowing, okay, that's phone must have been powered back on. The phone powered back on, yeah. 
Yeah. So it also makes sense because he once they power it on, phone will automatically connect to the Wi-Fi. Why the phone's connecting again to the Wi-Fi? I don't know. But yeah, I want to see if I can if I can get my hands on that. Okay. Um, and if if I don't have them, then see if I can get them. Next time, on hide and seek. It's been too long. It's yeah. been too long. Yeah. I know that there were some um, talks about possibly him knowing what had happened to Logan. Who told you? My sister. And I told my sister, I can't keep this quiet. I'm telling. All right, well, I'll be back to you. Okay, I'll, I have okay. your number saved, so... I just got a call from her. I need to give her a call back. Um, pause that, because this, this could be a big deal. All right, let me get his number. Uh, all right, let me get his number. What, what were his words exactly, he said? Fucking no, did it. Hey, is this...